Welcome and good evening. Tonight I have a collection of true crime scene cleaner or trauma scene worker stories that I think you're going to enjoy. So, without further ado, let's begin. In the late 90s and early 2000s, I worked doing trauma scene work. I was a supervisor of a crew that you never see or hear about, but what we did was go into homes, buildings or structures after a homicide, suicide or accidental death in situations such as that. Sometimes they were very gruesome, and sometimes it was as simple as removing a chair and cutting out the carpet. Oftentimes it involved a lot of cleaning and removal to sanitise the scene both visually and biologically. Our goal was to leave the scene as void as possible, like if you didn't know what happened there, you would just assume that it was under renovation. This one time, it was about midday, so not the usual middle of the night come clean up after a dead body call. I don't know why the police and fire departments always waited till night to call us out, but I would say 8% of the time, that is how it happened. The day was a bright, sunny, not so warm day in a suburb of Los Angeles. I won't give the exact details of the location for privacy, or that I even remembered exactly which street it was on, but I do know it was in an older yet very wealthy area of Los Angeles. The kind of neighbourhood where you expect doctors, business executives or people in the entertainment industry to live in. As we pulled up to this home, it was a huge spread of mid-century modern with fancy landscaping and a long curved driveway. The place looked very well kept and probably a showcase of the neighbourhood back in the 1950s or 60s. The typical scenario was I, being the supervisor, would approach the door while my crews waited by the trucks. Since this was supposed to be a small job, we only had my vehicle and our service truck. I remember seeing an old fancy Mercedes and what looked like an old Porsche in the driveway. No other cars, but maybe there were some in the garage. That I didn't see. As I walked up to the door, an older woman answered my knock. She was probably in her mid-fifties, very well made up, with lots of jewellery on, and she was wearing something that reminded me of Mrs. Roper from the Threes Company. Not cheap looking, just not in the 1990s style. I explained we were here for the clean-up work. I then noticed she had a drink in her hand like a martini or something. Like I said, this was the middle of the day and probably before lunch. Not unusual to find people drinking in a time like this. She leads me into the house. It's surprisingly dark and hazy with cigarette smoke inside. Now what happens next was really odd. The entire place looked like it was a time capsule from the now what we would call the Mad Men era. The house wasn't what gave me the creeps but she's leading me to like a second den area where we pass through the front room, another living room and a bar pool table area. Like I said, this house was huge, but there was a ton of people in the house, and well to describe them as they all looked like characters from some early 1960s movie. A guy with a sports coat, glasses and a boat captain's hat. A guy in a tuxedo. A lady wearing a fur collar, long evening dress. Other people there that looked like some weird collage of mixed people from some dinner party set back in some Rosemary's Baby movie set. The amount of people all throughout that house didn't add up. There were only two small cars in the driveway and one could only fit two people. Where did all these fancy people come from? There was a low mumble of different conversations from all around with only an occasional glance at me as we were walking over to the scene. I remember one of those huge old cabinets with a record player playing Johnny Matthews. I know that because it's not for me to say, playing on the record was like I was about to walk into the twilight zone. We finally get to the room where the suicide happened. There was a red velvet chair that the deceased was in, and it wasn't a gunshot, but I assumed it was a razor to the wrists. 
The lady is standing at the entry to the room. I'm looking over the scene and tell her we will remove the carpet and remove and dispose of the chair as it held most of the blood. She just nodded and still had her drink in her hand. I asked her if she could sign our work order and the release for disposal of personal property meaning the chair. After she signs, she says, When you and your crew are finished, just see yourselves out. I told her it probably wouldn't take us more than an hour. She turned and walked away and back to her party. I made the journey back to the front door, through the Johnny Mathis record playing, through the cigarette smoke and through the low-toned party conversations. I go out to my truck and the guys and tell them this one is creepy. There is a freaking party going on inside and everyone's dressed up. I lead my crew back to the room and they start bagging up the chair and cutting out the old blue carpet. The black stains were where the blood dripped down through it and we ended up just cutting out half of the room of carpet. An even straight cut across the room as to avoid having to move a lot of the big old furniture. We never found out who committed suicide, but I had assumed it was the lady's husband. As we were finishing up, I stayed behind in the room to take final photos as it was our protocol to take before and after photos. I thought about looking for the lady of the house just to let her know we were finished even though I got the impression we were to do what we needed to do and then leave and not bother her again. I still just wanted to give her confirmation, so as I slowly walked again through the party areas, I noticed no one was making eye contact with me or even acknowledging my presence. We think that if everyone at the party had known about the death, it would have been conversation or at least interest. I walk over to the front door and turn to look back at the party stuck in a time capsule and close the massive front door behind me. Driving away, I couldn't help but think what a strange day. So bright and sunny outside, I wondered how many people knew we had just cleaned up the remnants of someone's last moments on earth. Some of my previous posts regarding my experience doing crime scene cleanup work, or trauma scene work as we called it, generated a lot of people messaging me, asking me to write up more stories from my past. I used to do this work in the early 1990s and ran into all kinds of situations, such as accidental deaths, suicides, fire deaths, explosions, homicides, unattended deaths, and pretty much any messed up situation that could happen inside of a home or structure. One of my first calls when I started doing this work, it had to be around 1993 or 94, it was to a really, really rich fancy home. The home was located in a very wealthy area of Los Angeles, up in the hills area, and it was a huge home with a lot of land surrounding. This was actually the first time I had ever saw an elevator in a home. I never met the homeowner or actually any representative from the person who owned the home, as all of the paperwork was done via fax. I think it was owned by an Asian family, but couldn't be 100% sure. I only thought this at the time due to the furnishings and stuff inside the home. The home was pretty much emptied out of most of the personal contents prior to our arrival, so I didn't see any family photos on the walls. The home was so huge that you could get lost inside. Up to this point I'd never been inside a multi-level home, much less one with so many bedrooms, game room, indoor pool, bar, dens, family rooms, basements and I think a six car garage if I remember correctly. Anyway, we started to work on this one really late in the evening. It was once a crime scene. But by the time it was released to us, there were other damages that I couldn't explain. I assumed that the person was killed in the master bathroom, as there were some signs of trauma and some bullet holes in the bathroom shower and surrounding walls. Not much blood and that kind of stuff to clean up, as I think the person must have died in the huge walk-in shower. 
What was odd was that I don't know if the shooter turned on all the water faucets in the house because there was water damage all throughout the house. Kind of like Home Alone wet bandit stuff. There were areas that we had to remove wet drywall, wet carpet, baseboards, wood flooring, wet ceilings and cabinets. Since this was all over the huge house and my crew at the time were just about five of us, we'd split up doing different areas. This house was so big that you couldn't hear each other from different areas, even if you were screaming. But we all carried these old Motorola walkie-talkies that we could call and communicate with each other on for miles. One of the issues we were dealing with was that in certain areas of the house, the lights were off. I think prior to us coming out, an electrician shut off power in different areas because electrical components got wet. We all decided that using the elevator wasn't a good idea, and we just used the stairs and walking through different areas of the home was completely dark. We thought about using our generator, but the house was too big, and there were so many different rooms so we just ran extension cords with light to areas we needed, but this still didn't light up enough of the house. I remember two of our guys were working on the upstairs, I think you would call it third or fourth floor, the area where the murder took place. Another guy was working by himself in what looked like a bar indoor nightclub area, removing wet cabinets and flooring. Another guy was working on this huge walk-in closet, tearing out wet carpet and drywall from the floor to ceiling. I started working in a basement area. There were some ceiling and walls that needed to be removed. This job was going to be an all-nighter because of the vast areas and multiple areas that all the damage was, and we kept finding more and more. Also, everything that we removed that was damaged was a long trek to take it out of the house and down the drive to our trucks adding to the time it took. So why is this a scary or creepy story? Well, imagine being in this huge home where a murder took place for one, but as we got on through the night working we started hearing and experiencing things. Our old radios would do a deep beep chime when someone was about to say something over the air. Since it was only our company that had these radios, it wasn't random interference from outside sources and we hadn't experienced such things before, but as the night went on and we were working, we kept getting alerts that someone was about to talk. So I and others would drop what we were doing and listen for after the beep beep, like for someone to say something, but no one spoke. Okay, so maybe the guys were fooling around with the radios. I was making my way with a trash can of debris out of the basement as I didn't want to make my trash too heavy to carry out. I made several loads and it was a summer night, so getting out in the cool summer air was also a benefit. One of these trips I had to go up the stairs from the basement and down a long hallway. I believe to my right was an opening to a large living room type room, and to my left was some windows to the outside but further down was the door that I needed to exit and take my debris out. One of these trips the lights all went out. I got some light from the moon outside, but to my right the rest of the house seemed unnaturally dark. As I make my way back to the truck I grabbed a small flashlight in case this happened again. After a while of working the basement area, one of my guys comes up to me and starts chatting. I can tell he's nervous and he starts saying to me, wouldn't it be better if we worked together, that way we can finish up areas quicker. I could tell he didn't want to be by himself, so I agreed and honestly I knew how he felt. At about 1am we all decided to take a break and meet in the pool table room and eat. We started exchanging stories about the place, mostly on how cool it was, but also on how creepy it was and we all experienced random whole sections of the house losing power, only for it to come on again, then a different section. The guys that were on the upstairs part talked about hearing music, but couldn't find the source. I brought up who is the dumbass who keeps hitting the talk button, but no one did. We started coming to the realisation that this job wasn't going to be completed tonight, and it was going to be a two or three day job. We talked about our options, and one of them was, since it was nearly two at that point, we should work a few more hours and sleep there 
and get up and go and shower and go back to our office. I, for one, wasn't into the idea of sleeping in that house and overruled and said we will work in a couple more hours then call it a day. Then the following day, we already had another job on the books, so we got home and rested a little, then back at it. We got back to the big fancy house about 3pm and decided to work as long as we could then finish it up the following day. That evening, we sent out one of the guys for pizza and we kept working so there was at least two of us paired up. When the pizza came, we would break, eat and rest up a bit, then back to it. I know this is drawn out, but for the things that happened next, to this day I'm not sure if it was us being super tired and sleep deprived or if it was something else going on in that house. After we ate our dinner, and once again back into the pool table room, we were just relaxing as the work and distances in this house takes its toll on us. We decided the best case so no one of us gets too tired lugging the trashes as we would split that duty, one guy would go then come back and another guy would go and come back and so on. Almost everyone hears music playing at some point in the house. I heard it walking down from the kitchen area to that long hallway, but it sounded like it was coming from another location in the house. Another guy heard it coming from upstairs in the master bedroom area, but when you got up there it sounded like it was somewhere else. Okay, it's just music, no big deal. One of our guys called us over the radio as he was making his way back from taking debris to their trucks and said hey, was someone over here in the kitchen pantry room? We were all saying no and why, and he said the door was open and it wasn't before. We joked with him that he was probably hungry. It was about midnight at this point and I was working in one of those extra bedrooms that had its own private bathroom. This area was down a long hallway that had a few other rooms and ended in a den type area. I was with one of my guys and we both jumped as we heard a loud bang. It sounded like something big and flat hit the ground. Kind of like if you knocked over a large piece of furniture. So I then got in the radio and checked on my guys thinking they broke something and everyone said no that they hadn't broke anything and no one else heard it. My co-worker and I sure did so we go down the hallway and look around, maybe a picture fell from the wall or something fell over, but nothing. One of my last trips from that area, my co-worker took the debris to the truck and I was left alone in the room waiting for him to return and the lights go out. I was just sitting there in this dark room. All down the hallway is pitch dark for some reason not even enough light from the moon. He took our flashlight with him. I start to make my way out of the room, going down to the den area that led to a larger open room, then from there to a living room, and a dining room, then onto the kitchen, and I start to see the light from the pool table room, so I start to make my way over there, then those lights go out. I get on my radio and call out that all the lights on the second floor run out. I start to hear someone walking towards me, coming from the living room area and thinking it was my co-worker. I call out to him, and I didn't get a response. I stood there in silence. Then I start to see a flashlight moving around, and it's another co-worker. He said that in his area the lights were on, and heard me yelling for him. I didn't yell, I only had called on the radio. Just as we were talking, the lights come back on. My co-worker with his trash can and the flashlight come back in. The last and final day we got out to finish, I cancelled our schedule so that we could finish a job in the light of day, no more evenings or middle of the night working or being in that house. After we were all done we started exchanging stories about it and one guy said that he swears he heard me yell for him. I promise I didn't, probably because I was frozen. The lights turning off and on was everywhere, it wasn't like an electrical issue but someone messing with us. One guy said he went to use one of the only functioning restrooms and it saw someone walk by when he opened the door and it wasn't one of us. One of our guys claimed he had footsteps in another room. 
We all heard the music, and one thing about the music is we all heard a different type. I hear what sounded like classical music, like Chopin or Mozart. Another one said it sounded like country music, but he couldn't make out the lyrics. And yet another heard what sounded to him like mariachi music, or something we'd hear in a Mexican restaurant. We were all like, what the hell was that about? It's been a while since I posted a story about a suicide house, but I've had several requests for more stories and about my experiences in the field of trauma scene work. If you don't know what that is, I used to lead a crew that would go in after a murder or suicide or any manner of incident that caused damage to a structure that left behind a scene that the victim's family shouldn't have to see. Now I know my stories are not scary and the haunted or serial killer type stories, but the fact is most people couldn't handle walking into a scene like many of the ones I've been on. We've actually had to be very careful how we trained crew members who've worked on such scenes. It was often a volunteer basis for working on those type of scenes, meaning we didn't force anyone to go to a house where the dad had killed all the children before blowing his brains out in the lazy boy. We just didn't start someone in training and then go, oh by the way, we're going to a multiple homicide. Anyway, if there was a way to describe some of the sights and smells of doing this type of work, I'm sure you would see how truly scary or messed up this all is. First of all, I have to say that suicide is not glamorous, nor is it ever for those around you. If you need help, please get help. Don't let your loved ones find you that way. It not only changes them, but it changes the feelings inside the house. Anyway, back to my story. This took place in the late 1990s, just before I got out of the field. We got a call to dispatch a crew out to a house, and we were told that there was an incident with at least one death. Sometimes it's given to us that way, but never like a real whole story but sometimes we saw the true story on the evening news or a neighbour that talks too much. We arrive at this house, modest house, not really a high-end home, but not a low-end either. It was a two-story home about midway into a cul-de-sac street. As with some scenes, there's a cluster of neighbours outside looking at who we were and why we were there. The sheriff's department had just released the scene, so all of the crime scene investigators had already done their job. As I approached the house, I noticed a ton of what looked like bullet holes in the stucco broken glass, and a long blood stain on the driveway. We went inside and had to suit up almost immediately as the police had probably used tear gas. There was blood stains all over it and it looked as if someone had been dragged through the house with blood gushing. There were areas that had pulled up blood. Areas where things kind of looked like explosions had happened, to which I assume flashbangs were used or maybe the guys inside had shot up. Probably what strikes you the most in situations like this is how the benign underneath looks. I don't know how to describe it, but just imagine if you will, a place looking like the inside of a home, modelled out of the TV set of a full house. Now imagine that same TV set with blood smeared and pulled, bullet holes and tons of broken glass. I mean, they seemed like a very normal family. I remember in their living room, a big blue woodcut sign that said family, you know, before live love laugh signs were in style, and under that sign was a bunch of family photos with kids, parents, Christmas, graduation and vacations. Another thing in the house was a small wall dedicated to the dad's love of his sports teams and pictures of him with his buddies at games and stuff. So what happened? From what we pieced together from the news reports, neighbours who wanted to talk to us while we were cleaning his blood off the driveway, and from the scene itself was that the dad went crazy. He had been talking about demons, not like I got my own demons, but actual demons. He was sure that he was being attacked by the devil and that the demons were trying to take the souls of his family. So rather than to let the demons take his family, he killed them and so they would go to heaven. He ended up barricading himself in the house. 
It looked like some family members tried to get away after being shot and stabbed, but one collapsed in the kitchen and one escaped somehow and was pulled out by the police. He ended up shooting back at the police and the neighbourhood was evacuated for blocks. Not sure about all that as we arrived on scene much later, but that was what the people outside were saying. In the end, he escaped the house and ended up on the roof, still shooting back at the police, and they shot him back and he fell off the roof, and that was his blood we were cleaning from the driveway. He murdered his wife, one of his older children later died in hospital, and one of his kids was killed inside the house. One escaped, and I think another family member that lived with them was unharmed, as they were not in the house at the time this all went down. It took us a lot longer to clean this scene, as there were so many holes, and we had to remove almost all the carpet and soft surface due to the tear gas. It was a terrible scene inside. I know this might sound religious or whatever, but come across enough of these scenes, and you start to really believe evil does exist. Thank you all for listening, and if you enjoyed, perhaps you'll enjoy something else I've selected for you on screen now. And with that said, I'll see you on the next one. Thank you.